Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. Last week we launched a brand new series. It's called We're Glad You'll Be Glad You Did. And uh, last week we talked to the younger generation. We talked about the labels we wear, the labels that sometimes we apply to ourselves, the labels that have been given to us by other people. Um, The whole idea behind the series is that at every stage of life, if we do them right, at the next stage we look back and we say, I'm so glad I did that. You know, you can look back on different things and go, I'm really glad I did that. At every stage of life, though, there are also some times when you look back on things and we say, oh man, I wish I had done that. I wish I had listened. I wish I'd done that. In other words, if we could put it another way, the present becomes the past that shapes your future. The present becomes the past that shapes your future. The present right now eventually becomes the past, so years from now, you will look upon today as your past, which ultimately what you're doing today is going to shape your future. And we've all lived long enough to know that there are things that we have done. There are things that we're glad we did. You know, there's certain, maybe you started a savings account when you were a little boy and you've just kept putting money into that savings account. You're probably pretty glad you've kept that up over the years. And then we look back and we say, man, that didn't make sense at the time. My dad kept telling me, put some money back, put some money back. And today I'm so glad I listened to his advice. I'm so glad I listened to my boss or my coach or my, uh, my youth pastor or somebody like that. And at times we look back and we lament and we say, oh, I, I wish I had, really wish I had listened. So in this series, we're looking at the four stages of life. Last week, it was students. And um, this week, it's singles. Next week, I'm going to talk to couples. And, uh, and then the final week, I'm going to be talking to people that are 40 and older, and uh, I'll talk louder for that one, I'll talk slower, (laughs) we'll make the font bigger for you, okay, Um, may even play you some Perry Como, I don't know, let's see if we get crazy, I just made Parley happy somewhere, Parley's smiling, Um, so this morning I'm talking to single people, now here's, here's, here's the caveat to that, I realize there's an awful lot of people in the room who are not single, I know that. But you're, 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 you could be described this way, as the parent of a single, the parent of a future single. Um, you could be described as um, the grandparent, maybe, of a single, a mentor of someone who's single. The goal at Cross Lane is that everybody in the church always has somebody that's older than them that they're learning from and has some contemporaries, people they can kind of bounce life off of and, you know, figure out how to do that together. And really one of the things I would love to see for our church is, is for you to have somebody that you're mentoring, that you, you're able to speak truth into someone else's life, that you have the kind of relationship somewhere along the line that somebody's looking up to you and asking you for advice once in a while. I hope you have that. Um, and if any of those describe you, then you really need to, you would say, well, Brett, I'm not single. What, you're, you're not going to talk to me today. no. You'll hear some things that if they don't apply directly to you, you can turn around and hand off to a single person that probably would, may not be all that thrilled to hear it at the time, but if they heed the advice, we'll certainly be glad that they did, hence the the name of the the series. Um, So I'm talking to single people. I'm talking to people who think that they're going to be single for the rest of their life because they see married people and they say, who would do that you know i mean why why would i do that and 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 i'm talking to people who are single who one day hope to be married 
to the love of their life. And then I'm talking to single people who maybe once were married and it didn't go so well, and now they're in a place where they never thought they would be. And so I'm talking to people who might like to, uh, like, w- like where they are uh, at the current moment. Um, they like not having to give an account for where they're going. They like not having to give an account for their, their bank statement or, or you know, the, their choice in movies or anything else. They, they like the freedom that comes. They like being able, the idea that if they want to pack up and move, it doesn't take much to do that. <clears throat> you know, they, if they want to get a dog, they can get a dog. They don't have to ask anybody if it's okay with them if they get a dog. I'm talking to people who one day plan to be with someone and do life together. So, so for all of you, here are three things straight out of the New Testament that I want us to look at this morning. I'm just going to tell you, you're not going to love them. You're not. And you, you may not like me at the end of this talk, and that's okay too. But I at least want you, if you're single, I at least want you to consider, and, and in the first service there weren't many single people. I know in this bunch we've, we've got several of you. Um, I want you to consider these three things because I'm convinced if you will do these three things, You'll be glad you did. So I'm going to give them to you up front. This is the easiest message outline you're ever going to get. Um, and you'll be able to remember this, I think. So we're going to talk about three things. We're going to talk about get out, stay out, and clean out. Get out, stay out, and clean out. Get out of debt, stay out of bed, clean out your closet. Any questions? Okay, let's pray and go home. Yeah. Um, This is not an easy talk to give, as you're going to see. Get out of debt, stay out of bed, clean out your closet. Let's talk about each one of these real quick. First one is get out of debt. Let me tell you what I mean when I tell you to get out of debt. What I mean by that is get out of debt. That's what I mean, okay? If you've got debt, get out of it. Now, I'm not talking about your house payment because that's kind of an important, it's a hard one. It's hard for us to not have a house payment, okay? I, I understand that. But what I'm talking about is dumb debt, I'm talking about credit card debt that you're just running up on stupid stuff. Like if you're going through McDonald's and charging that to your credit card, stop that immediately, okay? That's bad for you. That's, I mean, on a lot of levels, that's bad for you. Um, I'm talking about the kind of debt that you would look at and you would say to yourself, ah, I need to pay this off. And you've, you've even said it out loud. You know it's true. You don't need me to tell you. It's the kind of debt that's just, it's hanging over your head. It's, you know, for some of you, it's school loans. Now, listen, I'm a parent of three kids that are college age. I understand school loans, okay? I know how they can hang over your head and become such a big deal. But I'm saying if there's any way for you to throw a little extra into that and to get that paid off sooner, I'm going to give you reasons why in a little bit why that's better for you to do that. Or maybe you're in a car that you can't afford and you shouldn't even be driving or you've, you've leased a house that's causing you to borrow money that takes it away from the necessities of life and you've just gotten yourself into a financial mess and it's a problem if you're single get out of that kind of debt now there are two reasons that i'm kind of picking on the single people this morning and this is true for everybody but it's really true for for you guys who are single and you may not believe this but you just ask anybody that's been married longer than five years okay just ask them And they will tell you that this is true. It will never be easier for you to get out of debt than it is right now. Married people, can I have an amen? Amen. I mean, that's just true. I know you're single and you think, well, that's Brett, you don't know my situation. I'm just telling you, 
It will never be easier for you to get out of debt than it is right now. Ask anybody who's married. They will tell you that. Now let me tell you why this is such a big deal. Because your financial bad habits, if you're not careful, will eventually become someone else's financial problem. And even if you're not looking for the love of your life and you're not looking for that special somebody and even if you're not interested in getting married, hopefully that is going to happen for you one of these days. And when it happens, you don't want debt coming in the door with you. you. You just don't. Because I have to tell you this, debt makes you less attractive. I don't know if you know that or not, but debt makes you less attractive. I mean, girls, you look cute right now, but when, you, when he finds out that you've got $12,000 worth of credit card debt, now he starts to notice this thing over here and this thing up here, and he's like, oh, you know, she was so cute, and then I found out she had $12,000 worth of credit card debt, and now... Yeah, look at her. I can't, you know, I'm serious. It's a filter through which people look at other people. You know, dude, she thinks your car is awesome until she finds out you owe $40,000 on it, and then you're not so hot, right? She starts doing the math, and she thinks, my dad paid $40,000 for a house we lived in one time. He owes that on his car. And all of a sudden, he's not as hot as he was when he pulled up, you know, engine revving and wheels spinning. It's just not the same thing. And it makes you less attractive. And your financial bad habit has the potential to become somebody else's financial problem. And, and you would say, well, Brett, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not even looking to get into a relationship. I'm not. I'm just telling you, if you keep dragging that thing around with you, it's going to show up in a relationship and eventually you have to introduce your debt into a relationship. So just go ahead and decide, I'm not doing that. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm not dragging this around with me. And you know this. You, you start dating, and it's going to get more serious. And, and then you've got this little secret out there, right? And at some point, um, eventually you have to say, hey, um, I need to introduce you to a few of my friends, and I know you thought it was just going to be the two of us, but I want to introduce you to MasterCard and Miss School Loan here. And, uh, and, you know, if you get me, you get these as well. And he starts shaking his head and, and like, you know, I wasn't, you know, kind of counting on all that. And that could change things a little bit. You don't want to do that, right? You don't want to do that. You don't have to do that. You could decide today, I'm getting out of debt. I'm just, I'm, I'm tired of messing around. I'm going to get out of debt. Now, the 1% of you that think, you know, I've got this all worked out and it's going to be okay, and you're thinking to yourself, I'm going to carry my friends, the debt twins, with me wherever I go, and then I'm going to meet somebody, and when we get into a relationship and it gets deep and serious, I'm going to say, oh, there's one thing I forgot to tell you. And then they're going to pay off my credit card. Married people. Is that how that's going down? No, no. I'm going to meet somebody and they're going to be the solution to my, my financial debt and my financial problem. Again, you ask anybody who's been married for five years or more, they don't even have to be married that long. They will tell you that's a bad plan, okay? Bad plan. Because one of two things is true. Either you, you don't tell them until it's too late and then you have a marriage problem and singles, I'm just telling you, you think you got problems now? You, you ain't got no problems till you got marriage problems, okay? Married people, 
Amen. Right. Married people through this whole thing are just going to, I'm just going to point to you. Amen. And when you bring your big old surprise into a marriage and they find all that out, oh, there's one thing I forgot to tell you. Listen, in marriage, you don't want any surprises. You don't want, you don't want any, not any surprises. So at some point, you have to tell them. At some point, you have to tell her or him, you know, why not decide now that you're not going to have that story? You're not going to have, oh, by the way. Um, now, there's an even greater reason, better reason, for you to get out of debt. See, the second thing is, when you're single and when you're not in debt, you have a freedom that other people don't have. You know, married couples and people in committed relationships a lot of times they, they're racking up all this debt and they've got bills and all these different things. You don't, you know, if you're single, you may not necessarily have all that stuff. And when you have that kind of freedom, you can leverage it in different ways. You can leverage it to serve kids. You can leverage it to serve the kingdom. You can leverage it to serve God in some amazing way. You know, and, um, you would, might say, you know, for the first time in my life, I feel like my life has purpose because besides just making money because God's using me in ways I never really thought that he that he could that can happen for you a lot easier oftentimes when you don't have any debt and you have the opportunity to leverage your freedom in extraordinary ways but what happens so often is that we will have some great opportunity to help somebody or you may know somebody in your life that's down on their luck and they need a little just a little pick-me-up a little help and you think to yourself man if I had the money I would give it to them, but I don't have the money. See, when you're, when you're out of debt and you've got a little bit in the bank and you see somebody that needs some help, you can help. It's a, it's a glorious thing. Um, you can do that because you're not in debt. See, and then all of a sudden, you're able to see more clearly than ever before. And what an amazing opportunity God's putting in front of you sometimes. And, you know, but if you're, if you're saying to yourself, well, I can't, Leave my job, I can't, you know, God may call you to the mission field. God may call you to some ministry somewhere. God may call you to move halfway across the nation or around the world. And you might like to do that, but if you're all shackled up with a bunch of financial debt, you can't do it. You know, you would say to yourself, I can't leave my job. I just can't pick up and go. I got $15,000 worth of credit cards. Well, you know, I got a car payment. I got a Kohl's charge. I got, I got gas credit card bill. That makes it tough. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in a situation where there's something really big that you want to do for God, and you can't do it because of the stuff that you own that you don't even know where it is anymore, or you can't use anymore, or you don't wear anymore, or you don't even like it anymore. And you bought it, and you put it on a credit card, and you've got this huge debt over stuff that you don't even want. And that car that was so incredible eight months ago, Man, that car was so awesome, it was going to change your life. And boy, it really did change your life. When the new car smell wore off, now all you do is stroke a check every week, and you go, I can't afford this thing. And it's just a downer in terms of future relationships. It's a barrier in terms of pulling, fulfilling God's uh, vision and plan for your life. So don't let debt get in the way of what it is that God wants to do through you. And you might say, well, Brett, Right now, I'm just kind of figuring this whole spiritual thing out. I, I mean, I don't know what God's going to do with me. No, you don't know what God's going to do with you. But eventually, at some point, he's going to call you to some things. And you don't know what those opportunities are. They might be around the corner. And if you and I were to go out and just grab a bite to eat and sit down 
and talk a little bit, I would say to you, get yourself in a position where when God speaks to you, you're able to respond to the things that he's calling you to. I've had lots of conversations with people, and they felt like God was calling them to something, but then they would say, but I got this. And it had something to do with finances, or it had something to do with money, and they'd racked up some kind of debt, and they couldn't do it. Um, be ready to take the next step when God calls you to it. Why not say, God, I'm going to get myself out of debt. I'm not playing around anymore. These two partners of mine, MasterCard and Miss School Loan, I'm going to start throwing money at them like crazy, and I'm going to get rid of them. I'm going to get disciplined about it. I'm not going to let them get in the way of what you may have for me. And I'm telling you right now, you may not believe it, it will never be easier than it is for you right now to get out of debt. Now, the question always comes up, but Brett, how do I do that? You know, I don't know how to do that. Here's what I would say to you. You're smart people. Figure it out somehow. People don't stay in debt because they can't figure out how to get out. Here's why people stay in debt. People stay in debt because they don't have the discipline to get out of debt. That's really the issue, is that you just don't, you don't, you're not providing the discipline in your life to get yourself out of debt. You got yourself in, you're smart, you can read a book, talk to a friend every year. We do a Financial Peace University. Dave Ramsey can show you how to handle your debt and your finances and reduce it. And I don't know how many thousands of dollars people have gone through our Financial Peace University class and they, they come out and they, you know, they're cutting up credit cards and their debt's disappearing. That can be you as well. God is going to bring you opportunities and I want you to be ready for those opportunities. But you can't do it if you're shackled by debt. Single people, you have an opportunity that will go away because as you get married and as you progress through life, it gets more complicated and more difficult over time. And besides that, getting out of debt is a good habit to be in. It's a, it's a practice. You know, once you get into the habit of just not retaining a bunch of debt, it's going to be, you want to carry that into your future relationships and into uh, a marriage one of these days. It's just going to help you a lot better. If you carry all that old debt in, it's going to be all kinds of mess. You don't want that. So get out of debt. Now's the time to get out of debt. You'll be glad you did. Adults, married people, amen. Yeah, so second thing is this. Stay out of bed. Stay out of bed. Now, what do I mean by this? You know what I mean by this. I don't need to tell you what I mean by this. Here's what I'm talking about. The Apostle Paul wrote letters to the churches that he had established. He would, he would establish a church and then he would leave and he would go elsewhere and then he would write back to those churches and he would give them some instruction. And one of the churches he wrote to was the church in the city of Corinth. Now, I'm going to read you a part of that letter in just a minute, but you need to understand this. In Corinth, I need you to imagine, imagine men owned slaves, okay, in Corinth. And that meant that men owned women slaves. Now, men don't imagine that for very long, but some men owned women. There were no rules, and there were no laws. And so they could use those women in any way they saw fit, and many men who owned those kinds of slaves did. Okay? Now, when, they, when that got boring, or when that got old, and they didn't want to do that anymore, in Corinth... You could go into the city, and on any street corner just about, because Corinth was this huge city, very metropolitan, and all kinds of things were available, and you could go to a temple, uh, different kinds of temples. I'm not talking about the church that, that Paul instituted in Corinth, but, but temples and different various kinds of religious institutions, and you could go in, and some of those would have a temple prostitute, and you could pay for the temple prostitute, and that's how the church made its money, and they called that 
act worship and just kind of crazy how you would even think that, that, that you would call that church in any kind of way. What I'm trying to get you to understand is the city of Corinth was a, a, a very, very sexualized city. And, and I, I tell you that because your temptation is to think when I read from Corinth and when you hear what I'm going to say from Corinth, when, when, when you, or from Corinthians, when I read it, you're going to say, but Brett, that's, that's old. I mean, that's 2,000 years old. That's written to a whole different bunch of people. That, they didn't have what we've got going on in our culture now. This is a different culture. Our culture is so sexualized. I just want you to understand, Corinth, the sexualization of Corinth, in some ways, would dwarf what we have going on in the United States. And you hear that, and you think, there's no way. Read your Bible, okay? You read your New Testament, and then you come back and you tell me if, they, if we've got some of the stuff going on, even in the church, that they had going on in the church. Different world entirely. But in this little statement, Paul is, isn't just going to say, don't do it. He's going to say more than that. Paul's going to give us a reason, and he's going to give us some insight into the nature of man that is fairly extraordinary and very complex, but it's also very insightful. Here's what he said. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, he says this, flee from sexual immorality. Now, that's exactly what you would expect a preacher to say, right? Flee from sexual immorality. So, so why, Paul? And then listen to what he says. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But, in other words, in, 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 in contrast to all the other categories of sins, and now when I say that, don't hear me say something that I'm not saying, Okay? Or don't, don't hear Paul say what he's not saying. He's not saying that sexual sin is worse than all other sins. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is sexual sin is different than all other sins. See, what, what goes on in the church and what happens in our culture oftentimes, and, and you, you're seeing this in some of our conversations lately, is that we look at sexual sin and we make it way, 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 way worse than some other things. And that's not true. The, the fact of the matter is, any sin that we commit, whether it's gossip or, or you know, backbiting or, or lying or any of those things, those things, or whether it's sexual sin, any of those things become a wedge that come between us and our relationship with God. doesn't matter what it is. But what he's saying here is not necessarily that sexual sin is worse than other sins. That's not what he's saying. He's saying it's different. It's got a different fallout. And some of you already know that some of you would hear that and go Brett I, I can attest to that for many of you your greatest regret as bad as you may have mismanaged some money and as bad as you may have mismanaged some time and you know maybe your grades weren't the greatest in college or whatever but you look back at some of your college experience and you say you know my my greatest regret is kind of the way I behaved myself sexually it's it's like no other category and the apostle Paul 2,000 years ago delves into that complexity when he says be careful in the way you express your sexuality because it's complicated and it goes deeper than simply something physical it's like no other area of your life he says all other sins a person commits are outside the body but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body in other words when you sin sexually when you're irresponsible with the expressions of your sexuality 2,000 years ago Paul says you hurt yourself. He says, there are some sins that you can commit and you can feel bad about it 
and you can apologize for them and you can make it right with the person that you hurt and you can move on. But he says, when you sin sexually, you hurt yourself. So what would you expect a God who loves us, who cares deeply about us, what would you expect him to say other than flee sexual immorality? But if you're a Christ follower, he speaks directly to you and he speaks directly to me and he says, do you not know, this is verse 19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? He says, don't you know that when you became a Christian, when you put your faith in Christ, there is a sense in which God moved inside of you. And then he says, you are not your own. You're inhabited by God. You don't belong to you anymore. Verse 20, you were bought at a price. Now, you, you've heard this before, that when, you, when, when Christ died for your sins, he paid for your sins. That, and, and so when, when you pay for something, you know, when you go to the store and pay for something, they put it in a sack, you take it with you because now it belongs to you. Well, there's a very real sense in which Christ on the cross paid for, for our sins. So we don't belong to us, we belong to God. And when you acknowledge that Christ died for your sins, that God paid for you, you're not your own anymore. And so he draws the very logical conclusion, look what he says, therefore, logical conclusion, since you belong to God, honor God with your bodies. Honor God with your bodies. If you are a Christ follower, I know you may think you're the only person you know who decides to do this. But if you're a Christ follower and you've been called to honor God with your body, the context for that is honor God with your bodies through how you handle yourself sexually as it relates to your sexuality. So I would look at you as a single person and I would say, stay out of bed. Honor God with your own body. And I would also tell you this, and married people I think would, would fall right in line and tell you, you'll be glad you did. Just as in some cases, some people are really sorry that they didn't do that more. And, and hear me when I say this. It isn't, when, when Paul says this, it's not that God is trying to be some kind of cosmic killjoy. Okay, It's not that God is trying to spoil our fun. That's, that's not the case at all. Um, if you're a Christian, here's what we believe. In fact, if you're of any religion, here's what we believe. Here's what you believe, whether you've really thought about it or not. God created sex. Think about that. He made it. He's not against it. God made it. Uh, once upon a time, there was none. And then one day, God said, oh, I've got a great idea. And the angels said, what? And God said, looked at the angels and he said, you're not going to understand this, okay? You'll never understand this. But then he made this great thing called sex. But it's very fragile. It's, it, can, it, can, it, it can go south in a hurry. Um, when I was younger, my youth pastor told me this one time. And when you hear this, the way I'm, what I'm going to say, you're going to think a youth pastor told their youth group kid this. I wasn't in youth group when he told me. I was a little older. But... My youth pastor told me this one time, and I've never forgotten it. It's always stood out to me. He was talking about sex, and he said, if God made anything better, he kept it for himself. Isn't that great? <laughs> if God made anything better, he kept it for himself. Now, what God would say is, I made it. It's fragile. It's awesome. It's dangerous. Honor me with it. Honor me with your body. Now, now let me just stop right here and say a couple of things. I am not out to spoil your fun. 
I'm not out to, to control you somehow. Um, I'm going to use this illustration, and I understand that this is kind of not the best illustration because we would never do this and then bring you to church. But let's, let's pretend that we just had the, the church lawn treated, okay, for weeds and things. And let's pretend that what we had put on the church lawn was lethal if you touched it. If we brought you to church after doing that, and we let all these precious babies of yours into your care, and we did not inform you that we had just put something on our grass that could kill your children, would you not be angry with us if we didn't tell you that? That's kind of what we're doing here. What I'm doing here is I'm telling you, if you're single, I'm telling you that this thing called sex, you can mess around with that, and it can be lethal, not not in a physical sense, although in our culture, more and more, possibly. But it can be least lethal to your relationships. It can be lethal to your self-worth and your self-image and your self-esteem. It can become a problem if you mishandle it and if you don't handle it the way God calls us to handle it. Um, I'm, I'm just telling you, what you find in this book, what you find in this book, if, if, the, if it makes sense in the world, this book backs it up. Pretty much. I mean, um, this is just true. Living your life, according to this book, will lead you to a more mistake-free, pain-free, regret-free way of living. It just will. Okay? That's just a fact. And when you look in here and it says, flee sexual immorality, you got to listen to that. Now, let me say this, because I hear this from time to time. I have, I have people say, Brett, you need to say this just straight up, just say it. Because I just... You know, we just all assume that everybody knows that sex outside of marriage is something God says don't do. But, but maybe you don't know that. Here's what I want you to understand. The Bible says that if you are not married, sex is a sin for you. Okay? That's what the Bible says. You know what else the Bible says? In Romans it says the wages of sin is death. Whenever I talk about this verse of Scripture in the Jesus talk, I'll... I'll, I'll talk about the, a snake I'll, I'll bring to mind a snake and i'll say you know just imagine that snake as sin and everywhere it goes everything that it touches just starts to die that's what sin does sin wherever it goes whatever it touches you can just see decay coming off of whatever sin touches if there's lying in a friendship i'm here to tell you that the sin of lying is going to destroy that friendship over time there's adultery in a relationship, it's going to destroy it over time. Anything that you've got where sin touches, it starts to decay and it starts to mess things up. Um, it can be deadly. And in the case of sexual sin, it can be deadly to your relationships, it can be deadly to your self-image, to your faith. And I'm just telling you, I know the world tells you that there's, there's nothing wrong with it and that you should go ahead and do it. I'm just telling you that when you do it God's way, you're better off. And anybody in here who has experienced this, anybody in here who has had any kind of life experience in this particular category and experienced sexual sin will tell you, you're better off if you would just wait. Now, I know I sound like a prude, and I know I was, you know, sound like I was born in the 50s, even though I wasn't. And uh, I know, it, I know it's, it, you hear it, and in our culture it just sounds foreign, but here's what I would tell you. If you could just sit in a room with me when I'm talking to people who ha are having problems. Because people will call me and they'll say, Brett, can I come in and talk to you? And I'm like, sure, you come right on in, we'll talk. And we sit down 
And, uh, you know, I'm genuinely wanting to help them with whatever it is that's on their mind and whatever, with whatever it is they're struggling with. And we start talking about the pieces of, of, you know, life and what's going on. I wish you could sit and listen with me how many times misappropriated sexuality has been a problem. It's just, a, it's just, it's everywhere in our culture. And I'm telling you as a single person, if you can get on top of this part of your life, you're going to make your life so much better down the road. Um, second thing I want to say to you this morning is this. If you're currently single, I would like for you to entertain taking a year off of dating. And you just looked at your parents and said, what did he just say? I would like for you to consider, if you're single right now, I'd like for you to consider taking a year off from dating. And the only person I want you to date is Jesus. Here's, it's, it's, you may think you can't do that. You may think, man, he's crazy. You know, your friends may look at you. Can you imagine looking at your friends saying, well, our preacher said yesterday we should consider taking a year off date, and I think I'm going to do that. Your friends are going to look at you and go, what? What's wrong with you? I'm just telling you, you would be amazed at what God would teach you about yourself and about him in that year. If you were to say, God, I'm just going to take this year and, and I'm not going to see anybody. I'm just, it's just going to be me and you. Now, it's really none of my business what you do. I don't, you know, with your body, I don't own your body. I don't control your body. Don't want to own or control your body. Uh, let me just ask you this. Would you be willing to honor God with your body, to make a commitment not to date for a year, just a year, to kind of clear your mind, to give God an opportunity to do something in your heart and in your life, unusual maybe, to teach you something incredible. And if you do, let me tell you what's going to happen. At the end of the year, you're going to see yourself differently, you're going to see God differently, and you're going you're to know a lot more about the kind of person you're looking for and the kind of person you need to be for that individual. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Because there's something inside of you that's saying, you know, I know this isn't right. I know I shouldn't be this way sexually. Um, would you be willing to just take a year and say, no dating for me. No, I'm, I'm, no, no sexual stuff. And here's what's going to happen. At the end of the year, you'll see you in a whole new way. You, you will have spent time with God. It's going to change the way you see him. And he will prepare you better for the person that he's going to give to you. And here's how I know that. God said something really profound in, in Matthew. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, I don't know everything that that means, but I know that it means this. With clarity comes moral purity. You may not be taking notes, but you need to write that down. With clarity comes moral purity. That might even want to memorize that. That might be something you need to revisit every day. With clarity comes moral purity. There is a clarity that comes with moral purity that you cannot gain any other way. And here is how some of you know that that's true. As you have been made more and more aware of, of sexual things and maybe you've become sexually active and you've carried that from relationship to relationship, you know that if you do that, you kind of live in somewhat of a fog because sin just kind of does that to us. It puts us into a fog. We don't always see real clearly. And things aren't real clear to you like they used to be because that clarity has kind of disappeared with your purity. Jesus promised, and I, I can't 
explain this, but he promised that if you would just draw near to him, he's going to get rid of a lot of that fog. You're going to see things a lot clearer. Life's going to make a lot more sense, and you'll be glad you did. Older people, thank you. Third thing, clean out your closet. Clean out your closet. I said this to a mom this morning. She said, boy, I wish my son would clean out his closet. I'm not talking about that way. You may need to do that too, but that's not what I'm talking about. What do I mean by that? I mean the stuff in your personality that makes you a bit weird. The stuff in your personality that makes you kind of tough to tolerate. If you're totally honest, you'd say, yeah, that thing is a problem for whoever I'm going to settle down with, and they better get used to it. I'm telling you, you don't want to carry that into a marriage. Um, you know, you get angry too easy. And you, you would say, well, I've just got a bad temper. I'm telling you, you need to clean out your closet. You better deal with that. You, you, you know, you, you just, you've got a rage thing. You've got a jealousy thing. You, you've got, you know, there's just this stuff about you that isn't quite right because you're single and you're able to manage around it. And because you're single, it's not really a big deal because nobody ever really holds you accountable and it doesn't really cause a problem. If you run into it with a boss and your, your attitude or your anger or rage or whatever and you get into it with a boss, you just quit. You kind of manage around it. You say, I'll get a different job. You, you have friends and it doesn't work out because you're kind of quirky and got this attitude thing and they're like, you know, you shouldn't be that way. And you're like, well, you shouldn't be that way and I'm going to get some more friends. And you just kind of manage around things. But at some point, I hope you fall in love. At some point, I hope you meet Mr. or Miss Wonderful, and at some point, I hope you're able to settle down and have a happily ever after, but I'm telling you, if you don't deal with the stuff in your closet right now, you will deal with it in marriage, and just ask anybody who's been married longer than 35 minutes. It is easier to deal with your stuff when you're single. Because here's what's going to happen. I'm going to predict your future for you, okay? Are you ready? When it comes out, that weirdness in you, when it comes out, you will blame your spouse for it. You will. And you have an opportunity that no married person has. You have the opportunity to deal with it as a single person. And here's what I mean by that. And it is the current issues caused by past events. Okay? Current issues caused by past events, if those current issues that you know about yourself, that you kind of dodge and you kind of manage around, but you know that somehow they're connected to your past, now is the time to work on those before you drag those in someplace else. Jesus says those things come out of your heart. He says it's not what goes in that's the problem, it's what comes out. And, And what comes out of your mouth, it's a problem slander backbiting gossip lying words just yeah he says all that is a heart issue and you as a single person have the opportunity to deal with those things now before you drag them into a marriage like maybe you're going to drag your financial stuff into a marriage here's the deal it's never going to be easier It will never be easier, and you will never be less motivated than you are right now. Because you think, well, I don't have to deal with this right now. Trust me, anybody who's got any life experience and any wisdom would look you in the eye and say, get this stuff figured out. 
before you get into a deep relationship, before it goes deep, and before you start thinking about getting married, deal with this stuff. It'll never be easier, and you'll never be less motivated, and you will be glad you dealt with this stuff now. Find a counselor, find a friend, find an accountability partner. If you're in a small group, go in and say, guys, I want to talk about me tonight. I want to talk about how weird I am and this rage thing. And and they're going to go, oh, let's talk about that. Because they've probably seen it, right? But refuse to move into another generation or a season of your life carrying that stuff around on the inside when you know it's connected to the things in your past. You will be glad you did. Now, as I've given you all this today, it's not a surprise. I mean, I haven't said anything and you've gone, boy, I'm really surprised he said that. I didn't expect him to say that. None of you are saying, I can't believe he talked about that. None of this is a surprise. And and I know this. I don't have any control over your life. I can't tell you what to do. So you sit and you listen to this and you think to yourself, oh, okay, I, I probably should get rid of this car that I can't afford. I probably should. Okay, I, yes, I need to do something about the credit card debt. I know that. I need to stop shopping so much. The sex thing, Brett, you're crazy. I don't know about the, the whole not dating thing. I think you're really crazy. Brett, I know I've got an anger issue. I know I've got an anger issue. And you kind of want to pick and choose these things, Right? Even if you're not looking to get into a relationship. Even if you've been so burned in the past and you think to yourself, you know what, I don't want that. I hope as your pastor, one of these days, God gives you this beautiful person to share life with. I hope that for you. I hope you fall in love and find your soulmate and, you know, sing old bad carpenter songs together. And I hope that for you. But here's what I know. If you're not willing to deal with these things, these three things, when you meet the potential love of your life in that moment and you, as you begin to move toward relationship and as you move toward making it permanent, you become something that you hate. You become a hypocrite. And you don't like hypocrites. In fact, somebody today probably didn't come to church all that often and the reason they would tell you they don't like going to church is because it's full of hypocrites. Well, yes, that's true. We are all hypocrites. Starting with me, But here's the thing. One day you're going to meet the person that you can't wait to spend the rest of your life with. And do you know what you're going to hope? You're going to hope that they have gotten out of debt, that they have stayed out of bed, and that they have cleaned up their closet. That's what you're going to hope. That's the dream list. That's what you want to hear. You're taking notes on your future spouse and you hear, you know, you're writing all this stuff down and you hear him say, well, I had a nice car, but you know what? I got so tired of those car payments and I realized it was costing me a lot of money and I didn't need that kind of car and I just, I decided it was going to help me get out of debt. I don't have any debt like that. Check. I like him. No debt. In fact, I'm so committed to no debt. I paid off my school loan. Oh, he is gorgeous. Check. I paid off my house. He paid off the house. I can even deal with his hair. He paid off the house. (laughs) Isn't that what you really want to hear? Nobody's going to say to that guy, no debt, forget you. Go get yourself loaded up in debt, then come see me. 
Nobody's saying that. See, in this area alone, why would you refuse to work on yours when you hope they're working on theirs? How about this? Well, when I got out of college, you know, I, I moved in with him and we stayed together for about a year and a half and I thought, this isn't right. And I moved out and that was about six years ago and I just said, I know it's weird, but I'm just not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to have sex with people until I'm married to somebody. And you're going to go, oh, I like that story. How about this one? I know it's kind of weird, but I grew up in a church where they taught us that, that sex was something for marriage, and I just have never done that. And I know I'm probably the, the only male virgin in the whole United States of America, but this is who I am, and I hope that's okay. She's going to go, Let's be honest, if that's you, there's something in you that would light up the minute they say that to you. These are the kind of things, nobody's going to look back at that guy and say, no sexual experience, take the next year and go sleep with everybody and then get back with me and then I'll talk to you. Nobody's going to say that. All I'm saying is because I, I love you. If that's what you're looking for, that's what you ought to be. Well, my, parent, my, marriage, my parents' marriage was a train wreck, and I came out of their divorce, and I was so angry. And I, this is kind of embarrassing, but I spent two years in therapy, and I paid for it myself because I, I just I wanted to be free from that. Look, nobody is looking for a woman with daddy wounds, okay? Dudes are not out there going, you don't have any daddy wounds. It's not going to work for me. I need somebody that's going to come in and just bring all, a raging, you know, roaring angry and blame me for everything. And she's mad at her dad at all this, about all this stuff. And I want her to blame me for all that. That's what I'm looking for. You're not going to find a man that says that. I hate my mother. Well, then you're the guy for me because I want to I hate your mother too. And we'll just hate her together. <laughs> That'll be awesome. All I'm saying is, if it's good news for the person you're going to meet one day, if it's what you want them to be working on and what you want them to be about, you would be a hypocrite to not be working on those things yourself. If you're going to look for Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, you need to be worried about trying to be Mr. Right and Mrs. Right. Married people? All right, I'm out of time. I'm just going to shut down right here, okay? I got more. I'm, I'm going to be here all week. <laughs> no, actually, I'm not, but um, um, I've given you enough. Get out of debt. Stay out of bed. Clean your closet. You'll be glad you did. I'm telling you, I got married people in here that have been through a lot of this stuff. They would sit down with you over a dinner or over a lunch, and they would look you dead in the eye, and they would say, he's telling you the truth. Wisdom comes through experience. And a lot of you young people, you don't have that. You need to listen to this kind of stuff. This is the kind of stuff, years from now, if you do it, you look back and you go, man, I'm so glad I listened to them. Let's pray over you. God, for the young people in the room, man, what a great opportunity is ahead of them. Their whole life is ahead of them and it's gonna be awesome and amazing. And, and you're gonna be uh, doing some incredible things. But Father, would, would you just kind of move in their heart and their life and help them to see 
that doing these kind of things makes a huge difference later on in life. Doing these kind of things makes for a better marriage, makes for people that get along, makes for people who understand, who understand you better, are able to do the things you call them to do. Father, would you just, and we need help with this. Somebody's listening to my voice and they're thinking, man, I know I need to get out of debt, but I, I just, I need help. God, I pray that you would do some supernatural stuff in their life. For the person who, who seems to have a horrible time staying out of bed, I pray that you would help them. I pray that you would do a work in their heart where they would be able to make a commitment and stay with it. That they would be able to just walk with you for a year and let you speak into their life. And Father, for the people that have got stuff that's just, they're just messed up and before they carry that into a, a marriage, help them to deal with it. Help them to find your forgiveness, your grace, your mercy. Help them to, to let go of whatever it is that's hurt them in the past so that they don't carry that into a, a marriage. Lord, we love you. We know you love us. That's why you tell us these things. Help us to listen. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.